You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I want to remind you today that there is hope. Maybe you need to remind yourself today. Let's, let's say that together. One, two, three. There is hope. You need to remind yourself today that there is hope. You can be stuck in a crossroads of not knowing where to go or what to do. You can be stuck in a problem or an issue or something that's overwhelming that you can't see on the other side. You can't see the victory. You can't see what's going on. And I'm here today to remind you that there is hope. Back in 1977, there was a movie that was created that was never created in such a way before that they thought this movie was going to be a massive, massive flop because of the uniqueness of the movie, because of the, the, the different way that they filmed it, because of the new ideas that were a part of this movie. In 1977, this movie opened that was called A New Hope. Star Wars turned out to be all right. did pretty good for itself. But there's a line in that movie It's probably one of the top five famous lines of it, of the whole series, is when we see Princess Leia talking to R2-D2, and she's relaying a message to go find Obi-Wan. She says, Obi-Wan, please help. You are our only hope. I'll quote it correctly for the Star Wars junkies here. It says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. For those who don't know, yesterday was May the 4th, International Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you, for those who don't know. So I thought I would highlight that today. And you decided to come to church on Cinco de Mayo. I mean, thank you so much for being here. And on May the 4th, we celebrate Star Wars Day, and the first movie is talking about a new hope, and Today I wanted to inspire you by reminding you that there is hope. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 4, Song of Solomon is writing in almost like his memoir as he's uh, just reflecting on life. In the middle of the book he says, But for him or her who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than... Than a dead lion. See, at this time, Song of uh, King Solomon, he's writing this. He's wealthy, he's a king, he's got everything that he's ever wanted. And when you read Ecclesiastes, he starts talking about how life is nothing. What's the meaning of life? He's obtained such wisdom and knowledge, he's obtained. Women, he's obtained power, he's obtained and eaten every type of food imaginable. He's obtained all of these things, and he's writing as he's trying to ponder and understand what's the meaning of life. And in the middle of all of this, he writes this. It's better to be a part of the living because there is hope. I'd rather be a living dog than a dead lion. So my question Today, to start with this, to help you in understanding that there is hope in your situation, 
is are you breathing? If there's going to be hope in your life, then you have to be a part of the living. And that would infer that you're breathing. So everybody, take a deep breath in. Breathe out. And if you didn't do that, then chances are you're not a part of the living. We can work on that. For to him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The very beginning, we see God creating the heavens and the earth. Then he decides to make mankind. All throughout creation, God is standing on the edge of eternity and he's speaking these things into existence. Light be and light was. Mountains form. Animals, birds, fish. But when it comes to humanity, he makes it personal. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. See, there was some, for, some portion of this creation as God was standing up there directing the cells to turn into animals, to plants, to turn into universes, to turn into planets and moons and stars, that it was time to form you and me. And instead of declaring it, he got down on his hands and knees and he started pushing dirt and mud together. Man needs a, a head so he can think. He needs hands so that he can do. He needs feet so that he can walk. He needs a stomach so he can eat. He needs a nose that he can breathe. He needs a mouth so he can speak. And he just starts, maybe I should put three ears. No, no, that's not right. Maybe ten eyes. That would be cool. No, let's just stick with two. Thirty-seven toes. No, no, sandals won't look good like that. And he starts forming, forming, forming. He steps back and he looks at his beautiful creation. He says, there's something lacking. And he breathes life into mankind's nostrils. And man becomes a living soul. That the breath that you're breathing is the life that God has given you. And that if you're still breathing, then God's not done with you. That the breath that we take in is a reminder that we're still living, and if we're still living, there is hope. In Psalms 156, 150, verse 6, the last verse of Psalms says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And if you didn't get the memo, praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That it's very hard to complain and cry about our issues if we're too busy praising the Lord. That's why speaking and words are so important. And we see it over and over in the scriptures that life and death are in the power of the tongue. We see in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that confession is made. Belief in the heart and confession with the mouth is how salvation occurs. If that's how you gain salvation, then anything else in the gospel should be done by confession and believing. Believing in faith and confessing with one's mouth. 
at breathing and talking, there's something important about doing that. Let everyone who has breath praise the Lord. But you don't know my situation. Let everyone who has breath praise the Lord. You don't know what's going on, but let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Here's some fun facts about breathing. Welcome to science class. The average person breathes in the equivalent of 13 pints of air every minute. Look at your neighbor and tell him to quit breathing in your air. I need those. I need 13 pints. Another fun fact, children laugh 300 times a day. Adults laugh, give or take, 15 to 100 times a day. But there's a scripture that says, laughter, the joy of the Lord is your strength because it's believed that laughter helps boost your immunity system. Children laugh 300 times a day. Adults laugh 15 to 100 times a day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Another fun fact, if the lungs were opened and laid flat, they would cover the entire size of a tennis court. It's pretty disgusting. I looked at several different websites, and that's one of the big things they kept talking about. Your lungs would cover the entire size of a tennis court. The breathing rate is faster in children and women than in men. I feel like there's a joke there, but I won't go there. <laughs> breathing rate is faster in children and women than in men. The human sneeze can take place at 10 miles per hour. So next time you see somebody sneeze without covering their mouth, just know that that thing is flying 10 miles per hour straight to your face. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I need Jeremex just right now. And I know that you're sitting in church right now. Cinco de Mayo, you're thinking of what taco or burrito you can eat to celebrate. But I want to help you. Breathing more slowly and taking longer breaths can reduce your appetite. So just breathe slower, and we'll get through this together. You will not die of hunger today. If you're still breathing, then you're still alive, and God's not done with you. As long as there's breath still in your body, it's the breath that God has provided. The breath has not been removed. If you're still living, then there's still opportunity for God to show up in your midst. There's still an opportunity for God to do something mighty, for God to do something powerful, for God to show up in a way that he's never showed before. The awesome thing is we see in the scriptures and the gospels that even when there's life taken out of your breath, God can still show up and make a miracle happen. That God is in such control that as the breath is removed and you die, we saw it with Lazarus, we saw it with the little boy in the funeral, we saw it with the boy who fell out of the window when Peter was preaching, that God can put that breath back in you. That's how powerful, that's how loving our God is. So if you're breathing, God can still use you and God still wants to use you. 
Second part of that scripture says, there is hope. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. Such a simple phrase, three letters, that could change your very circumstance. That could change your perception, that could change your idea, that could change what you're going through by simply believing three letters, three words. There is hope. That word hope in the Hebrew is a hard one to pronounce. Bittachown, B-I-T-T-A-C-H-O-W-N. It means hope, it means trust, and it means confidence. We've talked about this word before. We've talked about hope before here. That the hope on the other side of these windows is different than the hope that we know and understand here. The earthly hope is a fingers crossed. I hope if I cross the street, I don't get run over by a car. I, I hope if I go eat at a restaurant, I don't get food poisoning. Every time we talk about hope outside of the church, it's usually in a negative connotation. I'm about to get this new job. I, I hope I don't get fired from it. I just bought this new car off the lot. I, I hope it doesn't die before I get it home. I just bought this new shirt. I just bought this new house. I hope it doesn't blow up. I was changing out the plug on uh, my dryer yesterday, and it was just me by myself. That's um, usually never a good start. Um, I've had fun with dryers in the past where uh, I realize that electricity flows through the dryer when you touch no-no wires. Um, <laughs> and so I had to change the plug from a four-plug to a three-plug. And uh, I called my dad, and uh, I said, well, you know, we're, I'm changing this, and we were just talking through it. And um, I said, well, I got you on the phone. Uh, the box is on the other side of the house, but it doesn't matter anyway. I couldn't get there anyway if it does shock me. But I'm going to plug it in, and uh, I guess you'll hear me fry, I guess. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to hang up or not. And, uh, and so that, but that was my first thought. There was no hope of this thing is going to work. I, had, I really had no confidence in myself. I had no trust in me switching out these cables Never done it before, watched a YouTube video, unscrewed some stuff, screwed some stuff back in. Hey, the dryer works. <laughs> the house isn't burned down. We did two loads yesterday, so kind of an electrician now. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> I think the Lord is leading me in a new direction. <laughs> I should have called Hal, but I knew he would laugh at me. It's such an easy task, so I figured I would... <laughs> I would rather shock myself than ask for help. <laughs> but even in that simple, simple moment, the hope that I had in the, in the confidence of that machine working were slim to none. I had no, but that's not the hope that is being talked about here. That there is a hope and there is a confidence in who Jesus is and what he did in who God the Father is and what he has for us. In Romans 15, 13, it says, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy 
in peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just read and glaze through scriptures and don't dive into what the actual scripture is saying. Hope is said in this thing about 15 times in this one scripture and we can just glaze over it. Now may the God of hope, God has many names. God is love, God is grace, God is all these things, but God is hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and with all peace. And all you have to do is believe. That the God of hope is ready and willing to fill you with all joy and all peace. Remember we just talked about the joy of the Lord being our strength and by laughing our immune system is strengthened. That God doesn't want to just withhold well, I'll give them like 10% joy and like 5% peace to start off with. I mean, they just got saved yesterday. Let's not give them everything yet. Calm down. Let's, let's see what they do with my son's blood. Let's see how they appreciate salvation. No, no, no. The God of hope, he says, if you believe, I'm willing to give you all joy and all peace. And what's the goal of that, of giving you all joy and all peace? That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a very important job to do. His nicknames are comforter. His nicknames are helper. It's pretty good nicknames. That through His power, you can abound in hope. You can abound in having the confidence in the truth that the God of hope is on your side to help you through whatever situation is going on. That you can have a confidence in truth that no matter what's happening, it doesn't matter what's happening in the natural, but that the God of hope is on your side and whatever he said is more powerful than whatever is happening in the natural. Colossians 1, 26 through 27, Paul is writing to the church of The mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. Are you his saints? Yes, we are his saints. So there was a mystery that it says God hid from the generations. There was a mystery that God hid from humanity. There were secrets there were questions, there were things that God hid from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. That scripture right there should encourage you. I know there's been a teaching out in the church before. We've heard the scriptures be quoted before. God's thoughts are higher than ours. He knows more than us. He's sitting on his throne, he's got all these secrets, he's got all these things, and he's hoarding them all. And there's only select people that he'll bless and he'll give to. 
Oh, well, they gave a lot of money at church today, so here's a little nugget for you. Oh, they didn't go to church for two months. Go ahead and keep these. Not going to know this. It says that the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. What is this mystery? The next scripture gives us the answer. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. The Gentiles is you and me. We aren't Jews, we're Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A mystery that has been hidden for years, for ages, for decades, for centuries, from generation after generation after generation, Jesus shows up and God says, it is finished, it's finished, it's done, I will now open up the library of heaven to whoever wants it. And the mystery that was hidden is now the Gentiles have the same rights, have the same privileges, have the same promises, have the same blessings as the Jews themselves, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That when you believe on who Jesus is, you receive him as your Savior He now puts his spirit, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, dwells in you. The hope of glory. I don't know if you've ever read it before, but as a kid, I read this book many, many times. It's part of the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Grew up reading it. Great book, reading it to Noah just the visual representation as C.S. Lewis writes this book out and the depiction of who Christ is as this roaring lion who's gentle to the touch but aggressive when need to be to protect his own. And if you've never read the story, I don't want to ruin it yet, so plug your ears up, spoiler alert. There's a part in the story where there's this evil witch and Aslan, the king of Narnia, come together and they're speaking because there's a traitor in their midst. There's a human boy who is a traitor and he has to pay. Because of the sin, because of the transgression that was done by this child, somebody has to die. That's what the rules say, that's what the law says. Aslan, this witch, go off to the side, and they start talking. Aslan decides that he's going to die in the traitor's place. He says, I understand that there's this magic, there's these rules and these laws that are out there, and I'll die in his place. And that night, King Aslan goes to the hill where there's this big cement block I don't remember what it's called. Do you? No? Somebody said it. What was it? Something stone. That's right. It might actually be in this quote that I have. Maybe it doesn't. And he lays on this stone. And the witch and their people kill Aslan. And the traitors, two sisters, are there to watch the whole thing. As he lays there back. 
bound, shaved, and dead. The next morning, as they're laying there, the table cracks in half. And Aslan comes back to life. And there's a quote here, chapter 15, Aslan's speaking. He says, it means that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there is a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. You serve a God who was around before time, who even created time. He has the answers. He has the knowledge. He has the wisdom. And he's willing to freely give to all those who ask. There is a confidence and a trust when God is on your side because he will make a way where there seems to be no way. The devil does the same tricks over and over and over and over again because humanity keeps falling into them over and over and over again. He does the same thing that he did to Adam and Eve. Presents them the tree, the apple, the orange, the fruit, whatever it was. Eve says what God says, and here's Satan that says, but did God really say that? And if he did say that, it's probably because he's trying to stop you from living the best life that you have. As he dangles that piece of fruit in front of us time after time after time again. Sickness in your body. Dealing with addiction. Trying to understand your finances. Trying to work through your marriage trying to deal with depression, trying to deal with the things in this life, and this book is full of the answers that you need that can solve those things, and the devil just whispers in your ear, God really say that? Did he really mean it for you? Is it really true? I mean, I know it worked for that person, but they're so much better than you. Come on, you know that. And then these thoughts start going in our head. You're right. It's not for me. Maybe it's not real. Maybe that person lied. Maybe the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. I know it worked once, but I probably used up all the Jesus magic that I could have for this year. It's not who God is. God was before time. And it says before the foundations of the world were even formed, the lamb was already slain. Jesus had already made the decision to be your sacrifice. Jesus had already made the decision to be your Savior. He's already died on the cross. He's already risen from the grave. And He did that all before you ever even committed your first sin. He already forgave you. There is hope. There is hope today for you. God knows exactly what you need. He has the wisdom, the knowledge, the gifts, the promises, the blessings. He has all of those things. The mystery is no longer hidden. He is all about giving to you what you need to help you in your situation.
It's been revealed that Christ is in you. And that's the hope of glory. And as I finish, I just want to encourage you to not give up. To not give up today. That last script part of the scripture says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Unless the Lord wants to raise you from the dead, if you're dead, you're dead. There's no comeback. Yes, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and we are in heaven. If we believe in Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, but there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a reason that God has you on this earth at this time that he breathed into your nostrils, made you a living being, and here you are, 2019, and you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason in the family that you're in. You're here for a reason in the community that you're in. You're here for a reason in the church that you're in. You're here for a reason for the job that you're in. Don't give up. There's a reason you are where you are. Galatians 6, 9 through 10, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There's something so important and so key in that scripture. In due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart heart. So many people get on the verge in the edge of their miracle and never receive it because they walk away. Because they give up. Because they're tired of waiting. I'm not discrediting the struggle. I'm not discrediting the pain. I'm not discrediting the issue, the things that are happening in your life. I'm not discrediting those things. Quite frankly, they suck. The bills that keep coming, the arguments that you keep having, the struggles that you keep facing, I understand those things. It says it rains in the scriptures, it says it rains on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen. When Jesus talks about the parable, the wise man who built his house on the rock, but the man next to him built it on the sand, it still rained on both of them. There was just a foundation that the man had established so that he could withstand the rain. The man who built it on the sand, his whole life fell apart when the storm came. He wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. There was no hope. There was no confidence. There was no trust in who Jesus was. The scripture refers to Jesus as the chief cornerstone. What we build our house upon, what we build our life upon, what we build our foundation upon in our lives is who Jesus is and what Jesus did. 
He's the hope of glory. So no matter what's coming against me, if he's in me, he didn't get defeated, so therefore I won't. Don't grow weary while doing good. Keep doing what you know to do. Keep standing on the scriptures that you've been standing on. Keep believing for the things that you keep believing because in due season, if you don't lose heart, you will reap. I love quotes from our great Marine, Chesty Puller. Crazy man. Crazy. Loved to fight, was very good at it. He was called to be a Marine, that's for sure. In one of the engagements that he was in, completely surrounded as he was fighting in Asia, he has two quotes. He has many quotes, but there's only a handful that I can actually say from the pulpit. One, he says, we're surrounded. That simplifies the problem. A second quote, as he's in the middle of battle, as he's yelling back on his radio, as bullets are flying every which way, he's completely surrounded. Him and his team are fighting. He says, all right, they're on our left. They're on our right. They're out in front of us and they're behind us. They can't get away this time. It's the perception of the reality around you of what's going to change your situation. There are some people standing in the middle of a jungle surrounded by the enemy, all firing at you, lays down their weapons and says, I'm done. I'll live to fight another day, do whatever you have to do. And they let the problem just absorb them and wash over them. And then we have the faith of Chesty Puller, who says we're surrounded. That simplifies the problem. If they're everywhere around me, then I can see all the problems I can attack. If they're to the left, the right, the front, behind me. Can't get away this time. Now I know where to fight. Now I know where to go. Do not give up. Even in the worst situation, God can cause good to prevail and victory to be on your side. Now more than ever is time to stand up and fight. Use every weapon God has provided to attack the enemy. God is good and the devil can go straight to hell. There is hope today. I'm not discrediting the situation that you're in right now. It might look like it's all falling apart. But if you're breathing, God's not done with you yet. And if God is on your side, who can be against you? There's a hope that you need to have inside of your spirit. That there might be all kind of things surrounding you, but there's a confidence and a trust inside of your spirit that it's going to be all right. That God is going to show up. I don't know when, I don't know how, but his scripture says that he's a right on time God. He's not a man that he should lie. If he said it, then he's going to do it, it says in the scriptures.
not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he will do it. Don't give up. Now's not the time to give up. Now's the time more than ever to stand up and fight and come against whatever's. Get in that book. Get in the Bible and find the scriptures that you're standing on. Stand on them even harder. Quote them even harder. In the moments, tears in your eyes, quiver in your voice, keep declaring those scriptures. Joe and Larry have an amazing testimony. They both went to the heart doctor last week. Had some doctors previously give them uh, some concerns about their hearts. The last couple weeks, month even, they've just been trying to figure out what's going on. They finally got the appointment. She said, I've just quoted one scripture. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. She said, I'd lay in my bed. She just told me this before the service started. She said, I'd lay in my bed and look up at the ceiling. Even though in her physical body that there was fear, there was concern of what's going on in their heart, what's happening, what's the doctor going to say, even though the physical emotions were there out of her mouth, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. They went to the doctor on Thursday and both got rave reports that God is good and they are healed and there's nothing wrong with their hearts. God is good. Because God's not done with them. God's still using them in their families, still using them in this church, still using them in the community. There's still breath in their lungs. And they both understood this isn't the first time that they've been healed before. They have multiple stories of God healing and showing up in their lives and in their physical bodies. That they have a confidence and a trust that God is their healer. If anybody goes and tells them that God doesn't heal anymore, there is no way that you can convince that couple that God doesn't heal. Because their confidence and their trust is over anything else that's happening in their natural surroundings. And they didn't give up. Even though she was nervous, even though there was concerns, even though she had medical doctors telling her these different things of what it could be, the hope and the trust of my God's a healer. My God's healed me before, and if he's healed me before, he'll heal me again. And whatever I come against in the future, God will heal me from that too because I have the confidence that God is a healer. They didn't give up. With all the craziness of the world surrounding, she confessed and believed. Confessed with her mouth that God is my healer. Believed in her heart that God was going to heal her. And the doctors just confirmed that the healing was already there. That's, in the, that's a real story of somebody in the congregation. This works. This is true. God does truly care and love you. And want to take care of you and provide. Amen. Let's stand up today as we get ready to go. There is hope. Don't give up family. Don't give up. Father we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Your wisdom. Your revelation. That is speaking and flowing through us today. That we can leave out of this building knowing that we can have a confidence and a trust in who God is, what Jesus did, and what the Holy Spirit can do in us and through us as we walk through this earth, Father.
Father, you know what's going on in these people's lives. You know the ups and downs, the struggles, the things that they're dealing with right now that they need help in only a miraculous way that you can provide. And we've heard today and we stand in our spirit that there is hope. We are not going to give up. We are not going to cave in to this problem, to this issue, to this struggle, to whatever's going on in our lives in the natural. We are not going to cave into that anymore. If there's, if there's breath in our lungs, then we know that you're still with us. We know that you're still on our side. We know that you still want to use us. You still want to flow through us. And that you've already opened up the mysteries of heaven. You've already made a way for us. It says in James that if we need knowledge, we need wisdom, we can ask and you will give it to us liberally, Father. We ask you to help us today through these situations, to give us this confidence and this hope. Give us scriptures, bring people across our path, cause miracles, signs, and wonders to happen in these people's circumstances now in the name of Jesus. Angels, go out right now and get what needs to be done for their lives to come back to the place that it needs to be in the name of Jesus. We stand fast on your word. We stand fast on the cornerstone of who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter what storm, what rainstorm, what hurricane, what tornado, whatever issue tries to come against us, we stand fast to the cornerstone of Jesus in our lives. We will not be shaken, but what is thrown our way, but we will push back having done all to stand. We will stand with the full armor of God ready to attack and ready to see our miracle happen. Father, bless your people. Be with them, Father. I thank you that by your stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you that this word that goes forth will bear fruit in their spirits, and it will resonate in them throughout this week. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, I thank you that the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. And everywhere they go, they win because God is on their side, so nothing can come against them. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We will go out and see our miracle, but we will also go out and perform miracles. We will go out and lay hands on the sick. We will go out and we will teach people about salvation, and we will tell people our testimony. We will tell people about the blood of the Lamb and how it already overcame that dirty devil. And we thank you that you are with your people, you're protecting your people, and you're bringing them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.